Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. If you don't know who I am, I'm Tim, and uh, I'd like to welcome you. We're in this series. We just spent 20 weeks on uh, Storyteller, the parables, and we didn't even get to talk about all the stories Jesus uh, told, but uh, we knew it was time to move on. And, and now we're going to spend from uh, this Sunday till Thanksgiving looking at these people that Jesus met called Meeting Jesus and if you've got your bulletin, you're going to see some notes there. You can follow along if you like. And there's a communication card also in your bulletin. If you'd like to write something down, maybe a decision you'd like to make or you're interested in something. You know, we're not very good. I want to tell you right now, we're not right presently. We're working on trying to follow up when you check a box. So uh, thank you if, you're, if you've checked a box. We haven't got to yet. We're, we're working on that. But we, if you've made a decision, we know these are, this is very important when you make a decision on a Sunday morning. And if you've decided like you want to know more about our church or if you want to know how to join this church or you want to know something about your children, you check that box and we're going to try to get with you. We'll try to have somebody contact with you in the next, you know, during the week. Um, but that's there for you as well for prayer requests. We have a we have a prayer ministry that prays over these cards and they, they go through those cards and read them. They don't talk to anybody else. They only talk to God about it and whatever you put on there. And they, and they just pray whether it's a person or it's a personal need, they pray about it for you on your behalf. And it's nice. I tell you, that's a, it's a great ministry to take advantage of. I need all the help I can get. How about you? I sure could use some help there, okay? Um, so so uh, if you got your notes, we're going to follow along here. We're going to look at this uh, idea. We're going to start our series with a really a generic lesson, a lesson to kind of set up the next few weeks, okay? I want to talk about Jesus with the people. And really specifically, I want to talk about is why does Jesus want to meet you and I? Now, before we talk about that, uh, I, I, whenever I think about Jesus and people, you know, Jesus was a people person. I know that. You read the Bible, you can't help but notice that. You ever met a people person? Yeah, you're everywhere, aren't they? They get on your nerves. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I this. Uh, Three or four Sundays ago, I was out there getting some coffee, you know, minding my own business, drinking a little coffee, and I'm reminded that I'm not here to mind my own business, okay? And I'm drinking a coffee, and here comes Stephanie Tankersley. And she goes, I'm kidding you not, she sits there and looks around and goes, wrings her hands like this and goes, look at all the people. And she just starts talking to them. How you doing? I'm Stephanie. She's such a people person. You know what I'm talking about? You know people like that. There's some of you I'm looking at, you're that, per, you're that person. You all, you light up a room when you come in and you light it up in a positive way. And you, we don't want you to leave because you just make Greater Alton, you make parties, you make family time, you make small group a lot of fun. Uh, you're a people person. Jesus was a people person. And when you start thinking about that, you know, he, he didn't spend any, very little time did he ever spend by himself. When he did, he was praying. And maybe that's why he was, he needed to pray, because he was with all those people all the time. I know, I find that. You ever get overloaded with people? When Walmart opened up down here at Wood River, Denise and I go down there opening day. I love people. I get juiced up and jazzed up when I'm around people. Last night, there would be a riot. You know, uh, we got this music. It's, it's rib cage thumping. That's what he's doing. And I got my flashlight, and Danny's got his light. We're doing the right same thing. People are looking at us going, what a knucklehead. Who are those people? Oh, that's our preacher. Oh, boy. I think I'll pass, you know. 
But, but that's what, and, and, I, and I love it. I'm, I'm walking around, there's college students everywhere, they're all having a great time, you know. Uh, it's just a blast. I love people. When I went down to Walmart, though, opening day, when that thing, that superstore opened up, it was like this. And Denise is looking at me, and for the first time, she's going, what's wrong, Tim? Too many people. I'm bumping into people all over the place. What are they doing here? What happened? Well, it's opening day at Walmart. I didn't know that. I love people. And, you know, uh, I get juiced up about people. So when I look at Jesus and I think about Jesus with the people, there's no doubt in my mind, I start thinking about all those crowds. I mean, Jesus was like a rock star. Party like a rock star. Party like... He was like a rock star. I'm not kidding. There were crowds of people all around him all the time. He'd walk in a room, there's people there, you know. He was, he was like, you know, a, when, I remember when I was a kid, the Beatles, when they, the British invasion. When I was a little kid, when the Beatles came to America, and there was women, ah, there's guys going, oh, it was, it was going crazy. And then 25, 20 years later, Paul McCartney, because all the Beatles had broke up at that time, he's at Bush Stadium, and we're in the setting on the, we're sitting there on the field, and the place is rocking, and he's, you know, he's doing his, his songs, you know, he's on a, a piano on a boom going out over the crowd and it's like crazy and I'm looking around and there's these old women ah and these old men Ooh, you know it's the same people you know <laughs> just 27 years later and I think to myself how did this guy get so popular you know well Jesus was a popular guy he drew lots of crowds look what the Bible says here it says great crowds came to him bringing the lame the blind the crippled the mute and many others and laid him at his feet and he healed them so there's great crowds. Now look at these other verses I found. Matthew 19:2, large crowds it says followed him. In Matthew 4, large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Look at this one in Mark 1. This this guy had been healed, and Jesus says, "Don't tell anybody, please." He goes, "Gotcha." And he can't wait to talk. And he's telling everybody he knows. Look what it says. But the man went out, spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. Come out, Jesus. You're surrounded. I think about the life of Brian. I know that's a sacrilegious movie. But remember, he opens the window, and all the people go, Good morning, Messiah. That's exactly what's going on here. Says he, look at this. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming. You know, he's a magnet of people. Large crowds, big crowds. Look at this in Matthew 13. One time the crowd was so large, he said, put me in a boat. I, it's too many people. What, did Walmart open here? Get, get me in a boat. Get me away from these people so I can talk to them. You're too close. You're in my space. And then here in Luke 8, it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Have you ever been in a crowd of people that's so many that you're... I, was, I went to Soldier Field to watch the Packers and the Bears play. And this is when the Packers were... <coughs> they were bad, okay? And so I'm, here I am at Soldier Field. And they've, the old Soldier Field, they'd already cut off one end of Soldier Field. It used to hold 100,000 people. I think they got it down to 60-some thousand. Okay. And so we go to Monday Night Football. I'm, I, I remember sneaking down on the field 
I could have went to jail. I don't know how I got away with this. I was young and dumb, okay? And I get down and took a picture of Walter Payton and, and, and uh, Matt Sui together. And so the game is over. It's a Monday night. It's on TV. The game is over. And we start trying to get out. I don't know if you ever went to Soldier Field. It's awful. Not because of the Bears play there. It's the design of the, the design of this building is awful. The 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 doorways are as wide as those double doors. That's their doorways, and they're probably 12 feet high or so. But that you know, Bush Stadium, they open up an opening that big, right? You can get out of Bush Stadium with no trouble. It's a gate. Not at Soldier Field. You got these two doors that look like something from a Robin Hood movie. You know, boom, big thick doors, big iron hinges, and they open them up, and we're all Denise and I are holding hands. We're leaving, you know, walking down. It takes a little crowded, but then you get down to the floor and you hear the buzz, the people. And then, and it's like this. They're, and all of a sudden, Denise is like, Tim, hold on. Denise, sorry. Bye. Wilson! You know, I'm just feeling, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll never forget you, Tim. Well, I'm heading over here. I'll see you out in the parking lot, wherever that car is, you know. So here I am, and I can't do anything. It's just, hi, excuse me, sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't touch you. He did it. Boom, boom, boom. We get to the double doors, and I'm not in the middle. I'm I'm kind of veered off to the right somehow. Some big guy has moved the crowd a little bit, and all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, I'm over here now. And I hit the door jam. And I, it's like a log in a river. And I'm sitting there. People just going by me. Then finally a shoulder catches me. And I'm crushed on the way out. That's exactly what happened. I walk out. I feel violated. I'm just all messed up. What happened? You've been in a big crowd. Jesus has got a crowd around him. And they're almost ready to crush him. Man, that's what I think of when I think of, when I think of Jesus and people. Lots of people. He was a people person. You know, there's another idea, though, of Jesus we need to see. And that is that, that, and it may not be the popular one we think about, it's not the crowds, but all those face-to-face moments. All those, you can think, can you think of a person Jesus met? Specifically, you may not know where it's at in the Bible, but you know Zacchaeus. I know that one. Centurion. Woman at the well, woman caught in adultery, uh, the fisherman Peter. Yeah, I, I, I see those in my head. The, the 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 teacher of the law who he looked at and loved him, or the rich man looked at him and loved him. Sell everything you have, and he leaves. You know, there's just all kinds of personal encounters. What I want you to think about is this: first of all. Like Jesus who had a crowd, do you know you have a crowd? You have a crowd of people? Jesus knew his crowd. Do you know your crowd? They're a group of people. They're people, a collection of people, a list of people that no one else meets but you. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's on your campus. Maybe it's your your neighborhood, your city. We all have a group of people. We all have a group of people. If you could list, if you were capable, I am not capable. Maybe you are. We had some way we could supernaturally able to write down every name of a person that we've come in contact this week. It would be a long list of people. 
It might just be a glance at a gas station. It might be a person at the, at the register. But there's people. And Jesus knew his crowd. And I just, I think, you know, I want to know, I want to be aware of my crowd. But there's something else about Jesus that I want to be. And that is being able to see people face to face. To recognize the individual moments and capitalize on them. You know, he would move from the crowds and then to, in order to talk to people individually. I think about that passage where, you know, the crowd is crushing him. And if you remember, a woman who can't stop bleeding, she reaches through and touches Jesus' garment, remember? And what's Jesus do? It's all crazy. Someone touched me. And Peter's like, someone touched you? They've been running over you. What are you talking about? No, no, someone's touched me. Of course they've touched No, no, I felt power go out of me. And so he stops the presses. He stops the action. Someone touched me. And this woman's like, oh my gosh, he knows it's me. Now he knows already it's her, right? I get that, I get that idea. He's wanting her to know, I noticed you. I noticed what you did. And he wants to talk with her. She's healed. He wants to talk with her and talks about her great faith. We're going to come back to that woman in a minute because there's an interesting story there, I think. Really interesting. But I just noticed that Jesus, though he was in the crowd and though they, he drew great crowds, he, was, he moved toward that individual moment. That's what he was after. That's what he was after. Look at this. Uh, here's a passage up on the screen in Mark 2. And um, what it's about is, it's about a, a guy, there we are, it's about a guy who, who's paralyzed, if you remember, and there's no room in the house. Uh, and so they, there's so many people, they can't get in the door, so they go up on the roof and cut a hole in the roof and lower him right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is teaching the people. And what does Jesus do? He stops what he's doing with the crowd to pay attention to this individual. Wow. You see, um, Jesus wants a close relationship more than a crowd relationship. He wants a close relationship. He's not content with just a crowd. You You and I, many of you here, I don't know you very well. You and I have a crowd relationship. You get to see me act stupid sometimes, do the dumbest stuff. And you go, I, just, I think I know Tim. You probably don't know me that well because we don't have a close, we have a crowd relationship. Make sense? And you, you and I could have crowd relationships with people all the time. It can be a crowd of two or three or four. It can be, you know, sometimes it can be even a crowd of one. But to imitate Jesus, and I hope this series will do this, will imitate, will look to go, you know what, I, don't want, I want to be aware of my crowd the people that God has put in front of me, but I, I want to be like Jesus and go after that individual. I don't want to sound like go after like I'm stalking them. Okay, that sounded bad. I'm really meaning that I will be aware of them and I'll touch their life like Christ wants me to. You know, there are over 40 face-to-face encounters with Jesus Christ in the, in the New Testament. Now, we haven't encountered the Old Testament. You mean, he had face to, Yeah, he had some moments. He, he met three guys in a fiery furnace. Okay, but the, even the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts has a face-to-face in, in Acts chapter 9. Check it out. Remember, he's knocked off his high horse and he's on the ground. Lord, Lord, who are you? 
He goes, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Now get up off your feet and go into town, and I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do. And he wasn't disobedient to that. That face-to-face encounter changed Paul's life forever, and he turned the whole world upside down. So in this series, we're going to look at 12 people, 12 different people, and look at, and maybe we're going to see yourself, or uh, you'll see yourself in some of these people, and we're going to learn how, how God loves, learn His love for people. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're really hoping through this series, that we'll learn God's love for people and how He approached people, how He treated people. You with me so far? Okay. So, where do we start? Well, I think if we're going to start with Jesus with the people and how we can be like Jesus with the people, we probably ought to look at Jesus with me personally. I'm a people. And it's really, why does He meet me? He wants to meet people. He loves to meet people. What can, he, what can I... Oh, I guess, what, why does He want to meet me? Because my relationship with God determines my relationship with people. Remember First John? What does it say in First John? Something like, you can't say, I love God and hate your brother. How can the love of God be in you? It's impossible. So my And by the way, I can tell how my relationship with God's going by simply looking at the relationships around me. Look at my wife, you know, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with my family. And that gives me a good idea of where my relationship with God really is. And so I want to start there today. Why does Jesus want to meet me? Why does He want to meet you? Well, He's setting a good example. Oh, come on. That's not why He's really... He sets a good example because He meets us. Okay? But why does He want to meet me? And these are very simple points, but I find them very interesting. First of all, why does Jesus want to meet me? Because Jesus cares about me. He just cares. You know what? I, I thought this was interesting. In Mark chapter 4, the, the, the disciples and Jesus are in a boat. And the storm comes up. Remember, it's a squall. It must be an incredible storm, unlike anything fishermen who are familiar with storms all the time. It must have been just jaw-dropping for them. Oh, they're panicking. These are, these are seasoned men that know unsettled seas and, know, and understand storms. They've been through the perfect storms. But this one's all, it's just way over the charts. And it says in Mark 4, they ran down to the, the boat and Jesus is doing what? He's sleeping. You're sleeping at the wheel, man. And they wake him up. And you know what they say? Teacher, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. And what's Jesus do? He gets up, goes outside on the deck, and it's just crazy. He goes, peace be still. And goes back to sleep, I guess. He says, guys, do you have, are you lacking faith in me? What's he saying? Don't you think I care? Guys, the disciples wondered if, if Jesus cared. You think that's possible today with disciples? Aren't there times you wonder, does Jesus care? Jesus, I'm going through the ringer right now. I'm having all this stuff happening to me. A lot of, a lot of things are just going haywire and sour and wrong. Oh my goodness, don't you care? Don't you see? Look what David said in, in, the, in the book of Psalms here. He says here, you got it off the screen? In the book of Psalms, am I ahead of you guys? Come on, keep up, let's go. 142, no one gives me a passing thought. Look what it says there. David says, no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. 
Then I prayed to Jehovah. What's he saying? He's saying, there's a time in my life, there's a man after God's own heart saying, I don't, he's in a cave. He's running for his life. It's an all-time low. And he's going, I don't even know if anybody really cares what happens to me or gives a big flip about whatever happens to me. But I, So I prayed to God. Why would he pray to God? Because God cares. God cares about you. Look what Jesus said. Look what it says here in Matthew 9. As he saw many people, he had loving pity on them. I think the one translation says compassion. They were troubled and were walking around everywhere. I, I, I looked up the background of this. It was like the root beer riot. Last night, you know, I'd take a, I'd take a knee, you know, take a knee and say, I'm taking a break, guys, you know. And Andy gets right in there and starts a flipping them burgers, you know. Andy Laser, he just knows what he's doing. And I start walking around this crowd of campus students. And I just see people. Lots of people. You feel old when you're my age. Wow, look at all of them. So young. Got their lives ahead of them. But I'm watching them and I'm looking at them. And they're com- some of them are coming in groups of three or four that dare not come by themselves. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a riot. You know, even the cops come in twos to this thing. You know, they're scared. That's an exaggeration. Anyway, they, but you can see them walking around and looking and not knowing what to expect. And all of a sudden, here comes a campus student. Want a hamburger? Want a hot dog? And you just see their eyes just lighten up and go, sure. You know, I watch some people walking in, and you can tell there's something else going on. Physically, they're there, but their eyes are somewhere else. Their thoughts are somewhere else. They're by themselves. Maybe they're odd, and they don't have any friends. And they're just looking for some interaction with people. Maybe they just come out of something. Maybe a breakup. Maybe maybe they've had a, they've been abused sometime in their life. They've had something go just go haywire, and they're just going somewhere. They heard some crazy music, and saw some smoke, and some cook dancing. What was that all about? Let's go find out. And they go, and I watch. Guys, you know it's so exciting to watch. I've, I want to say, let me tell you why your service, you adults serving. And some of you teens and some of you kids, when you were serving, matters. I'm watching a campus student approach one of these people. And then 15, 20 minutes later, they're still with them, talking with them. That's awesome. It isn't a how do you do, see you later. Making connections, Gary, that's correct. They're connecting. And that's just, we all work together. That's when the church works together best. Man, I wish next year you all could just come out and help because you've got to see this. It's, just, it's wonderful to see. And I'm watching these campus students giving themselves, giving their life away. And, and they're not looking at hamburgers and hot dogs and how the lights working right. There's the music just right. They're looking at people. They're looking at people. Why? Because they care. They care. See, when Jesus sees people, He sees a person. He sees a person. He doesn't see a project. He doesn't see a prospect. He sees a person. And when He sees you, let me tell you, Jesus is looking at you right now. He sees a person. Now, other people may may look past you, but you've got Jesus' attention. And He sees you as a person made in the image of God. He sees right down to the core of what you're doing. Oh, He sees all the bad stuff. Guys, He sees the good stuff too. He sees it all. He cares about you. He sees, 
value. Let me ask you, what do you see when you see people? And what is your attitude when you see people? Jesus had loving pity. He saw them walking around everywhere. Like, and it says like a sheep. Without, he goes, I could describe it with a word picture. It's like sheep without a shepherd. He's saying it's like they, have, they don't know where they're going. They're kind of lost right now. They're kind of wandering around from thing to thing to thing. And his heart is broken by it. Why? Because he cares. What do you see? I see problems. Well, let me, let me tell you something. I do too. And when I start thinking like that, I'm reminded of something. Everybody has problems. So I'm really not seeing, I'm not really that insightful. You know what I'm saying? That's not really brilliant <laughs> when you stop and think about it. Because everybody's got a problem. Everybody's got something going on. Steve and Sharon and Dara and I were talking over by the burgers, just talking about how we all have something, a blind spot, a weak spot, a cracked spot, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just not right. Sin has broken it. We all have that. If you're somebody today, you say, man, I'm so messed up. Well, guess what? You're in a room full of messed up people. You might want to run. <laughs> no, I'm just saying this the way it is. That's just everybody. We're all in the same boat on this thing. And so when you see somebody, and I have to tell myself this because, guys, sometimes I see problems. Oh, you ever done this? Oh, here they come. Or maybe you've heard that or see it in their eyes. And maybe, 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 you've, maybe you've said it. You know, they're, you know, it's funny. Just like when I do something, somebody does something stupid in traffic, I'm, I'm a little calmer now today because I know probably 30 seconds later I'm going to do something like that. And a lot, oftentimes I'm thinking, oh, here they come. Well, I wonder, I just wonder, you know, they're saying that about me. I could say that about anybody too. When Jesus saw people, yes, he saw problems, but he saw the person. He saw the person. In Luke 7, a widow has lost her only son. You say, well, this is a short, very widow from Nain, woman from Nain. It's a, it's a very short story. It's a very brief encounter. But understand, she's a widow. She has no husband. He's died. We don't know how long he's been gone. But she has no way of surviving in her culture without a breadwinner. And her son probably was the one that was going to help provide income and stuff for her and take care of her, has died as well. And I just think, you know, there's some of these obscure passages, some of these little passages that seem to just shout out things to me. And when, as the funeral passes, it says in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. It took me three hours to find this verse. I didn't know this verse was in here. His heart went out to her. I went, oh my gosh. And what's he say? Don't cry. Don't cry. Why not? He cares. You've lost somebody, lost a friendship, lost a family member. You don't think God... He, does, he understands. He cries. The Bible says He cries when people die. He, he doesn't want the wicked to die even. He cares about people and He cares about you. And when your heart's broken, He notices you. He notices you. He sees you. I want you to know, I wish I was more sensitive. I, I read that passage and I see Jesus more sensitive and He's into the details of people. 
I wish I could say I'm into the details of people and I'm a sensitive guy. My wife has to remind me all the time, Tim, didn't you see that? You just walked away. Didn't you? What was you thinking? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm a man and I'm dumb. No, you're Tim and you're selfish. You don't see because you're not looking because you're too busy. You're looking at yourself too much. And I just see Jesus, he, when he sees people, he's looking at the details of people. You know, there's, there's some of you here are so sensitive, you catch stuff. You know, after, there's many times, Denise is more sensitive than I am. I did grow up in a very sensitive home. It's got to be honest with you. I learned to not be as sensitive. And I'm not saying that's right. I don't think it's right. I think I need to be more sensitive. I'm more of a task person. Last night, Mike was coming in, and he's trying to, Hey, guys, how's it going? And nobody's talking to him. What's the deal? And he's waking, trying to wake us up. I'm sorry, Mike, but it's kind of like, you know, what's happening is we're flipping burgers. We're men, and we're flipping burgers. You put those two together, it's kind of like, you know, here comes the target. Flipping burger, flipping burger, flipping burger. You know, we're focused. And then we laughed it off. But it's, it's, that's what, you know, some of us here are so task-focused. You, guys, we have cell phones and computers and all kinds of things that give us more time. And what do we use it with? We, to, to streamline? No. We put more tasks on the list. And they have, they, they're not more people. We don't put people's names on the list. We put things we, we've got to get done for who? Ourselves. And think about this. Right now, we are living in a very task-oriented society of people. And if we're not careful, we miss the person. I, and I'm, I'm this way. I'm so focused on the task, I forget the person. Jesus said, oh, no, no. I'm going to look at the person, Tim. I want you to learn from me. It's people. It's people I, want, I care about. I came here for people, not how good the hamburger tasted or if the hot dog was just right or the lights are hung the same way or the fog machine is working just right and the music is... Uh, it's not about that. It's not about do you have the PowerPoint screens working. Well, one of them doesn't work. That's not what it's about, Tim. It isn't? No, it's about people. It's about people. I wish I could say we've always been about people. But Greater Alton has not always been about people. We get caught up in church, churchology, and how to do church. And we're forgetting it's about people. Jesus reminds us. Now let me get to this story. I think it's cool. It's in Luke 8. If you ever Check me out and see if I'm not giving you the right picture here. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is coming home and the crowd of people welcome Him. It's Jesus! And here they come. And as the crowd comes in, this is the passage that says the crowd almost crushed him. As he's coming into town, Jairus, a synagogue leader, is amongst them. And he goes, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. And I can just see as he's walking up, the people behind him, you know. And Jesus and Jesus, like, what is it? What is it, Jairus? I need your help. My daughter is dying. And he, no sooner as he get those words out of his mouth, the crowd begins to, it says, surround them and crush them. Jairus. Okay, let's go to your house. And, and they're trying to move. People are... And all of a sudden, hold it, stop! What is it? Somebody touched me. A woman somewhere is going, oh, here's my chance. The crowd's here. He's talking to somebody. I'm going to slip in your... Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> and touch him. And Jesus goes, hold it. Somebody's touched me. In the middle of this crowd. 
Somebody's touched me. Well, everybody, so everybody's touched you, Lord. No, no, somebody's touched me. Who is it? Who touched me? And Jairus, like, what happened to Jairus? What happened to that guy? Uh, Jesus, I, I thought we were heading over. Oh, somebody's touched me right now. And the woman's like, it's me. And so he has a talk with the woman. What happened to Jairus? What happened to that guy? He's lost in the crowd. And so the woman, I'm sorry, I touched you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And then he's done with that. And while that's going on, the Bible says in Luke 8, a servant of Jairus fights through the crowd and comes up and says, it's too late. Your daughter is dead. Stop bothering the master. And what's Jesus say? Hey, what's wrong, Jairus? She's dead. Don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be healed. Remember that theme we had this year, that one year? Don't be afraid, just believe. That's in the context of what's going on right there. There's what it said. And so he takes Jairus. He leaves the crowd. I just noticed Jesus, he wants to be close, guys. He cares about individual people. I want to tell you, I want to say this to you while I'm thinking of it. You'll never be lost in the crowd with Jesus. You'll never be lost in the crowd. You might think you're lost around here sometimes, but you're never lost when it comes to Jesus. He knows where you are. He hooks back up with Jairus. Let's go to your house. He takes. They walks up and says, "Where's the Where's the girl at? She's in there." And well, uh, why you stop crying? Stop crying. She's she's just asleep. And it says they laughed at him. He walks in, and here's a moment again, another example of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John with him into this bedroom. And the parents, the girl's parents are there, and he takes the girl by the hand, and she sets up. Now, I want to ask, what would you do if your kid was dead and then was raised back from the dead? Well, that's very interesting. Wow, you need to go into business. You think that's what they were doing? I could see the three disciples going, Go! Wow! Holy shnikey! You know what I mean? They're going, Oh, gosh! Look at that! Did you see that? I see I see what's going on. You see? I saw it. And what are the parents doing? Oh, they got to be going crazy. They got to be crying. They got to be excited. They're hugging their daughter. Everybody's excited, high-fiving. It's got to be a great moment. But look what Jesus says here. In this passage, verse, or I don't even know if you've got, if anybody can, I'm sorry, I don't even know if you've got it. In verse 55, in verse 55, it says this. Jesus says these words. You need to get her something to eat. Ta-da! Tim, what are you trying to say? Wasn't that a great point? I don't get it. Well, everybody's going crazy. I get to see him going. Let's no, we haven't got. To, we got to take her out and show Uncle Henry and you know Aunt whatever and show. Look, look, everybody, she's healed. No, he's, you need to get her something to eat. He's not done working on this girl. He sees details. He's sensitive. He cares. What an obscure verse, verse fifty-five. He doesn't get enough airtime, I think. But it says something about Jesus that He cares about the person and the details of your life. And that's why He wants to meet you. 
You don't have anything to be afraid of. He cares about you. But there's another reason Jesus wants to meet us, okay? And that's because he wants to help me. See, when Jesus sees people, he sees needs. He sees opportunities to help. And so he dedicates his life to ministry. Now, we're a little confused about this word ministry. Last night, and I know some of you here, some of you campus students, I'm not bothered with you, so don't, make, don't think I'm bothered. I'd walk up and say, so I want you to meet somebody. This is Tim, our minister, or our pastor. This is Tim, our minister. And I'm going, okay, just killed the moment. You know, hi, I'm having a great time. This is Tim, our minister. Oh, hi. No, it didn't happen. It wasn't quite like that. But, but they, and I want you to know, I, if people say, this is our minister. This is our minister. We've got this idea that minister is a position. It's really a purpose. Ministry is not a position. It's a purpose. Ministry is service. So ministry is about helping people. And I could have easily said to whoever introduced me, whoever introduces me, this is Tim, our minister. And I'd like, I, could, I could have easily said, well, this is so-and-so who's also a minister at our church because they're a servant. And see, when Jesus came to this earth, he gave his life to help people. He wanted to help people. So when he saw people, he saw needs. And so when he comes to you, you know what he sees right now? He sees your needs. He sees them. And, and, and he wants to help. Jesus had a reputation for helping people. Again, when, when he raised the widow's son there in Nain, in Luke 7, or I'm sorry, in this particular passage, he says, They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Now I'm thinking about this. They've concluded that God has come to help people by looking at Jesus in a body, God in a physical body, they made the conclusion God's here to help us. Guys, I am of somebody. You're a person. We're human beings. We call ourselves Christians and disciples. Are we bringing God's help to people? Do they say, I'm getting help from God? I, 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 I recognize this help is from God, not just this person. That God has sent them into my life. See, I, I got, look, look at this. Look at this passage here in, Luke, uh, or, uh, or in Mark 10 here. For even I, the Messiah, am not here to be served, but to help others and to give my life as a ransom for many. I've got to tell you something. If there's anything we can learn from Jesus, it's how to be a friend. How to care and how to help people. Jesus helped a lot of people when you stop and think about it. List them out sometime. Sick people, blind people. He helped hurting people, lonely people, discouraged people, people that were afraid, people that were weak, people that were rejected. When they asked for help, He gave it to them. He gave it to them. How is He able to do that? He's able to do that because Jesus is not selfish and self-centered. Not because He's supernatural. If you're one of those people that say, oh, Jesus has done something amazing there, well, that's because He's supernatural, and therefore I'm off the hook because I'm not supernatural. Helping people doesn't take supernatural power. And Jesus did not use supernatural power uh, 
in many cases, yeah, to raise somebody from the dead, of course, he used supernatural power. To heal them, yes. But we can still help people with just the energy we have, that what he's given us. And so when he sees people, he sees helpless people, people that have less help, and he's the guy that's going to fill that gap in. And he st- so he thinks of ways he can help people. He's saying, I'm here to help you. I've come here not to be served. I don't have needs. Jesus is making it clear. I don't have needs. I don't need help. I'm here to help others. And he wants you and I to embrace the same strategy. By the way, not only does he help us with our earthly problems and our earthly struggles, according to this passage, it says, and to give his life as a ransom for many, he's going to help us with our eternal problem our sin problem. And church, I want to remind you, it's, I think it's great we help people with car payments and light bills and emotional struggles and addictions and loneliness. You know, Jesus did that. We should do that. But bear in mind, Jesus had a greater problem He was dealing with while He dealt with those. We can't afford to be content with, well, I fed them. Or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're back on track with their life here on earth. If we don't help them with their eternal, their eternity, we're just dressing them up for a fancy funeral to be separated from God. That's not really helping. I think, we, I think Jesus helped a lot of people with physical issues so He could help them with the spiritual one. So it's important to remember that. He wants to help you. He wants to help me. It says in Philippians 2, don't be interested in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. In your life together, look what it says. Think the way Christ Jesus thought. How did he, what, how did he think? He came to serve others, not to be served. It wasn't about Him. He didn't come to be a consumer. He came to be a contributor. He came to help people. In Titus 3, the Bible says this. Paul told, told Titus, who was in a little island of Crete, he was, a, he was a, uh, an evangelist there. He said, our people must learn, he's talking about the church, to learn to use their lives for doing good and helping anyone who has a need. Then they'll not have empty lives. He's saying the best way to live is to help others. And so why does Jesus want to, why do you want to meet people? You want to meet people to get, you're trying to get something from them? Well, Jesus says, listen, there's a better, there's something even greater. The greater thing is, is to meet people because you care and meet people to help them. That's what I saw last night over and over again. I watched campus students trying to help people. I saw campus students pulling people off to the side and you could tell just from the body language they were having a serious talk about a struggle. That's just cool to see. But there's a third reason that Jesus wants to meet you today. And he wants to meet people. And that is, Jesus meets me because, wants to meet because Jesus wants to change me. He wants to change me. Jesus is at the synagogue. He turns to a scroll, opens it up to Isaiah 61, and he starts reading these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. 
to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's that Lord's favor? The year of Jubilee, which is what? To restore. To restore. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the tenant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, That's what I'm here for. What Isaiah just talked about, that's what I'm here for. Jesus Christ, guys, came to this earth to change things, and He came to change you, to change your life. You know, when you look at all the encounters, all the encounters of Jesus had with people, few to none went away unchanged. I'm not even sure if anybody went away unchanged, to be honest. Even His enemies were hard, maybe their hearts were harder the Pharisees may have been that way. But Nicodemus is the opposite. You know what I'm saying? They, you can't, Guys, you can't meet Jesus and stay the same is what I'm saying. It can't be done. If you're not the same, or if you're, if you're the same day in and day out, day out, you better gut check and ask yourself, am I really meeting Jesus? Because you will never be the same. The paralyzed man would come to Jesus Drug to Jesus, walk away. The hungry would come to Jesus and leave satisfied and filled. The blind would stagger to Jesus, but walk away seeing. You can't meet Jesus in something that... A demon-possessed man, he's crazy, comes to Jesus nuts walks away sane. He has his sanity back. People caught in the act, aha, caught in the act, drugged to Jesus, leave forgiven. I don't say this word much. Hallelujah. You see, when Jesus looked at people, He saw potential. When Jesus looked at people, He didn't see what they were, but what they could be. In John 1, Andrew brings Peter to to meet Jesus. Jesus looked intently at Peter for a moment. Is he sizing him up? He's looking at him, just really looking at him. Is he trying to say to Peter, you've got my full attention. I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say to you, Peter. You need to hear this. You need to know this. You are Simon, John's son. But you shall be... Oh, circle those three words. You shall be the rock. You see, everybody else, when they saw Peter, they saw a fisherman, a guy who was impulsive, had a temper, stubborn, hard-headed. What did Jesus see? He saw passion. He saw determination. He saw a man that could change the world. He saw potential. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus knows who you are too. He knows you better than anyone else. Right now, He knows everything about you. 
knows everything you've said, everything you've done. He's been there all the whole time. Witnessed it all. Make you feel bad. He cares about you. Wants to help you. He knows how you tick. But not only does He see how you are right now, He sees how you can be and could be with His power. I'd like you to ask yourself a couple of questions this morning. The first question I'd like you to ask is, have I lost my vision for change in people? Have I just lost my ability to see people can change? Do I believe that anymore? Have I lost my faith in God's power to change people? Listen to me this morning. Listen to me. What man can't do, what self-help can't do, what drugs can't do, what doctors can't do, what my friends and family can't do, God can do. God can do it. When the disciples turned to Jesus and said, you know, guys, it's impossible. He says in, in, in Mark 10, everything is possible with God. That's verse 25, by the way. Everything is possible with God. Paul said, I can do all things with the power of Christ in me. Do you believe God can change people? Have you already judged, been a judge and jury of people? That's God's business. I want to tell you, have you, have you been a judge and jury of others? Have you been a judge and jury of yourself? Because God sees potential in you. You may not see it sometimes, but God sees potential. When His power is unleashed in your life, it changes everything. That's why He came to change you. And He came to change everyone else. Jesus wants to meet you. This series, I just hope this series will bless this church, bless us. I'm, I'm, I have no idea where this series is going to go. I really don't. I'm, I've got some ideas, but I've got a feeling God's taken us, this year God has taken us on a journey with Jesus. It's going to be unforgettable. We talked about who He was, the, the stories He's told. Now we're going to talk about how He treated people. And my goal, I, I want to be able to treat people better. Why not learn from the master, the, the people person? And I hope this series, you'll learn, along with everyone else that's speaking on these lessons, that we'll learn together how Jesus wants to meet people and He's wanting to use us. That we'll incorporate His love and His approach to people. I want to say it again to you. Jesus cares about you. That's why He wants to meet you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you do the will of God, man. You're trying to do the will of God? Listen, Jesus is going to, he's going to do everything He can to help you do the will of God. And ultimately, He wants to change you. Is He? Will He? There's a card in your bulletin, and that's that communication card I talked about earlier. Let's take some time here, and we're going to sing a song and let you... Write out a prayer or a decision, some kind of request, whatever it be. We're going to give you time to do that. Then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards as well as our regular contribution here in Greater Alton. May God bless you as we meet Jesus together. May God bless us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
what a powerful, powerful thought that you want to meet us, Father. Father, you, your, son, your, your son was a people person. He was with people all the time. Father, there was crowds around him. And yet he would set the crowd aside to notice a person. Father, and there's times I know we're in, we're in crowds a lot. In this church, it, we can feel like we're in a crowd. Father, it's refreshing to know, and it's so encouraging to know that you notice each of us that you will stop what you're doing with the crowd in order to help us. Lord, help us be that kind of person. To not let our tasks for ourselves get in the way of the mission and the task you've put in front of us. And that's to help people. We're your arms. We're your eyes. We're your mouth. We're your ears. We know we're an extension of you, Father. We're the body of Christ. Help us, Father. See how we can help others. Father... Those of us that are insensitive, I, Father, for those that are sensitive, Father, keep them, keep them there. But for the rest of us, including myself, that find myself, we find ourselves all caught up in what to do and not who we're doing things for and who we're doing things with. Help us to drop our to-do list and make it a people list and make it a list of people that we should care about. Express with a word or a look or a touch in some way that we love them, we care. Father, help us help people. Help us see real needs and help people. But most of all, Lord, help us to, to see the greatest need, and that is an eternal need, to know You, to have peace with You, and not just a bill paid or a hang-up solved. Father, I pray that You, most of all, that You will, will let You change us that when we meet you, we walk away radically changed. God, help us never walk away from you unchanged. But to, but, and never be the same, but be different. Help us agree that there's potential in us, Father. Some of us here, we've judged ourselves, we've condemned ourselves. Help us put that aside and see the potential that you want to unleash in us. There are people that, that could be reached if we would only surrender to you a little more, depend on you a little more. Father, help us see that you can change people, still change people now. And to reevaluate those people we're looking at now, right now, that go through our mind, that we've kind of written off. Help us put them back on our prayer list. Help us put them back in, the fourth, in our minds. Help us put them back before you. And Father... With your help, use us in any way you can to reach them so they can experience the power and change. Help us change, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.